see the demon in you who doesn't wanna come out and play. I can see the demon in you who doesn't wanna come out and play. Everybody say fuck this shit. Fuck this shit. Fuck this shit. Hey, fuck this Everybody shit. say fuck this shit. Hey, fuck this shit. Fuck this shit. Hey, fuck this Everybody shit. Everybody say What's going down? Welcome back to the Fuck This Shit Podcast. It is I, your host, Dre, back again. <laughs> we start this shit off the same way we do every single week. Thank you so much for taking the time out to listen. Thank you for all of the social media engagement, likes, follow, subscribe, shares, all of that shit. Thanks for telling your friends. Thanks for telling your mama, unless your mama's not the type to really fuck with something called the Fuck This Shit Podcast. I know. Everybody's mama's not the same, you know. Y'all don't know how real nigga mama's like my mama. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, just like... <laughs> no, for real, man. Uh, make sure you follow all the social medias. We on Facebook, FTS Podcast, Instagram at Fuck This Shit Pod, Twitter, Reddit at Fuck This Shit Pod. You know how it is. Uh, make sure you follow on your listening platform so you get the notifications when we release new episodes because I release new shit all the time. Uh, and if you would like bonus content, please feel free to check the little show notes or whatever, the podcast description down in the bottom. It's a little link you can click and subscribe for a little phone 99, you know, I'll shout you out on this motherfucker and show you some love. I'm torn between that. When y'all subscribe, should a, should a nigga say your name when you subscribe? Should I be like, Hey, exercise, but maybe I do like. Your first name and then last initial type shit. Yeah, I am. That's that's what I'm going with. If I could. But the thing is, I don't actually get your name. What I get is your email address. So it's like, if I don't know you, I actually don't even know your name. And it's like, I don't want to like read a nigga email address. That's that's a little. Mm, I'm definitely not going to do that. So, you know. When you subscribe. If you want me to shout you out on the podcast, not on no vain shit, you know, you pay $5, you deserve it. If you hit me up and let me know, like, hey, that was me, I will shout you out on this motherfucker. Uh, also, I know I'll be telling y'all to leave them reviews. I appreciate them shits. You know what I'm saying? I really do. Uh, we didn't get no new reviews in between the last few episodes. It's okay. You know, it's okay. It's okay. But if you ain't left one, go ahead and leave one. If you leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. And you leave one in the description, I'll read it on this motherfucker. You know what I'm saying? Read your review out loud. You know, let niggas know. I shot you out some more. Give you a little bit of, you know, some love. I actually had somebody, uh, one of the listeners hit me up. Said that they gonna, uh, they wanna um, ask me some questions or say some. Basically, they that one of the episodes they had listened to. They was like, I got some commentary on that motherfucker. I got something I want to, some things I want to say to you. Some points I think you may have missed type shit. Um, the vibes, not on no confrontational shit. I don't want to make it seem like it sounded like she was coming for me. Like, that's not what I think. Like, uh, the vibes was kind of like, you know, I I can understand where you coming from, but I think you're wrong. I actually super fuck with that, though. She says she's going to re-listen to the episode and then get back with me on it. I really hope she does. And if she does, I'm not going to respond to her via message. I'll respond to her here on the podcast, you know, out loud. I'll read everything that she sends me out. I'll give her whole side of it or whatever. And then I will give my whatever, you know what I'm saying, my responses to it. I'll give it out. 
give it out here. And that's something that I will give to any of the listeners. If you ever, if it's ever some shit that I say on this motherfucker and you like, yeah, maybe not say that shit, bro. Like that's more content for that's honestly, if you get something from it, amazing, but that helping me, you know what I'm saying? That gives me more layered, uh, commentary within the podcast. I'm only one person, you know, and, it's cool to be able to give my opinion on things directly, you know, because I'm not afraid to give my full opinion type shit. I think that's the probably the biggest value, I guess, in the way that I deliver the podcast is that I'm not really afraid of speaking my real opinion, you know. Um, but at the same time, there's a lot of times where my mind gets changed on things and I'm not always going to come back to the podcast in those instances and remember like, oh, yeah, I said X, Y, Z on the podcast. Let me come back and explain the 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 whole interaction that made me change my position. You know, what did the other person say to me or what did I see that changed my mind on it and how do I feel about it now? It's not that I'm not willing to do that. It's just not practical or realistic that I'm going to remember all the stuff, y'all. Sometimes I record the podcast, and when I'm writing out the description, I have to go like kind of skim through it real quick to remember what the fuck I was talking about. Because, you know, I'm just, I'm it's, it's I'm just, I'm just talking to y'all. You know, it's not, it's not super planned out. It's not. I know what I'm gonna talk about, and you know, I'm just. I kind of speak to the podcast in a way that assumes that the people on the other end will give me the same benefit of the doubt that a friend would, you know? So I don't really feel the need to be super prepped and ready before I start talking because it's like, that's not really how the world works. That's not really how you have conversations. I I know what I'm talking about because I don't want to be sitting around here talking about some shit. I don't know nothing about even in the real world, but it's not like before you go to your friend's house, you sit with your notepad in the car and you're like, okay, such and such is here. They're probably going to want to talk about this. Let me make sure that I hit this point and this. Make sure I can't forget this. Got to get the punchline. Like nobody fucking does that. And if you do do that, no one likes you. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like if you do that, you don't really have friends. You have one friend who when you before you get there and after you leave, all they doing is is explaining why you had to be there and how they understand you getting apologized for. You that friend. Every time you leave, the one person who actually is the reason why you keep coming, the um it inside joke with my with my with my white friends from Oklahoma, if you listen to this, the the mm, the the nam you know what I'm saying, of your group, you know what I'm saying? The that you know what I'm saying? Where you got the homie like, yeah, I know y'all don't really fuck with my mans, but he's my mans. Like, you that nigga if you out here bullet pointing your conversations to have to your friends before you walk in the spot. Now, I said that's why I don't really do the podcast like that because that's not the vibe I wanted to have. That's not that's not what this is. Um, however, like I said, the reason why I super, super love the fact that she reached out to me like that. And I absolutely encourage all of y'all to do the same thing is because um, 
I do want to bring that that extra dynamic to the podcast of either me having to explain why I still feel the way I feel, because do not get me wrong. I'm not the type of person who just because somebody can articulate their point means all of a sudden I'm not going to believe what I believed or thought what I thought. Most of this shit that I think I thought out at least enough to where like, I'm pretty confident where I stand on it. Um, but a lot of times what I think it helps me do, even in those moments when I'm not going to change my position is it does help me articulate my position a little bit better. Cause a lot of times if somebody hears what I say and they're like diametrically opposed to what I'm talking about and they're not like a douchebag, they usually, I usually did not get my point across in the right way. And you, I don't know if y'all noticed the way I changed the way I said that. That is something I genuinely had to learn over time that it's not always the other person's fault that they're not understanding what it is that I want them to understand. <clears throat> Excuse me. I think in particular with people who grew up feeling smart. And I mean that to say not just smart people, because it's a lot of people who are smart as fuck, but they just don't feel smart. And there's a lot of people who aren't smart, but they did feel smart and they will still understand what I mean by this. <laughs> but when you feel like you're smart, you feel like people shouldn't have an issue understanding you because you know how to articulate yourself. You know, so when people don't understand you, you tend to put the the blame on them like, oh, they're not hearing me. But a lot of times if you like actually take a whole step back and kind of see what it is that they're seeing and then like look back at what you said. You can kind of see where they got that. And even if it's not what you meant, that's cool. You just have to rephrase it sometimes and you have to kind of come at it from a different angle like oh damn like so when I said it that way it might have came off like I meant this but that's not actually what I meant what I really meant was xyz what's crazy that I've learned in personal relationships is that for some people that can come off like you changing your story like and it really takes a lot of rapport with people for them to like really respect and I guess just believe you whenever you saying that I'm not changing my story so much as just better articulating my point. I still feel the same way I felt from the beginning. I just, the way I said it the first time may have come off like I meant X, Y, Z or whatever. So anyway, the whole point is in a podcast that is genuinely just one long ass soliloquy. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I know. That was a word, wasn't it? Uh, it's just it's dope to be able to have that kind of back and forth so for anyone else who's listening you know please feel more than free to jump in and say anything and hit me on any social media platform that the podcast has at any point in time with anything that you got to say about anything I I absolutely love that shit to be honest um so, you know, whatever. Um, we do not have a real nigga story time this week. Um, instead, 
I would like to take the time from real nigga story time to dedicate to the end of an era of a real nigga from all of our childhood, middle school, after school, even when we was grown, a 30-year pioneer in the TV game, giving us quality entertainment, hit after hit, when niggas was the perfect balance of ratchetness and righteousness. The, I'm talking about Maury motherfucking Povich, bro. The Maury show is coming to an end. Maury never stooped to the level of Jerry Springer. Jerry Springer would let a midget stick his finger up a transgender's rectum for laughs. The crowd would get up and roar in applause. Maury would never do no ratchet shit like that. Maury had a stick. He stuck to it. He's like, I do bad. I do out of control kids. You know, I do an inspirational story here and there. But my bread and butter, where my toast gets that cinnamon butter, is the paternity test. The paternity test. The classic, the iconic, you are not the father. It never got old. Niggas dancing, bitches crying, running to the back, collapsing. The cameraman with the with the Roshis on. You know my nigga had the uh the goddamn the goddamn goddamns my nigga had on the Vapor Max Pros getting ready because he already knew doing Pilates. The cameraman doing Pilates because they know that as soon as my nigga Maury opened up this envelope and dropped this bomb, it ain't no telling what's going down. I might have to run. I might have to run to the corner store. It ain't no telling how far it is, but she might run to the car and pull out the blicky and I'm going to be right there with the camera. Cameraman, that y'all. I grew up on Maury. When I seen that Maury was still, I, I, so my nigga was still getting new paternity tests, thirty years deep, y'all. Maury was such a staple to me that I remembered. You ever have like a childhood memory and you're not sure how much of that memory is real? You know what I mean? Where you're like. My, like, I remember something, but I was a kid and then, like, maybe it was, like, some shit that didn't really happen or some shit that somebody told me. I'm just not remembering it right. But I always felt like I remembered this girl on Maury named Marisol. And I was like, Marisol, I feel like Marisol came to Maury, like, seven, eight times. And she had, like, all of these niggas. And it was like, you not the father. You not the father. You not the father. And she had all these kids and like all of these not baby daddies and shit. And I thought I was bugging. So when I seen the story about Maury in and I just hopped on YouTube because that's the glory that is living in this century. In this time now, you could just pop on the motherfucking YouTube. And you know, you're really in the game. You can find anything in the world. So I type in Maury and then I type in M. A R and it pops up Marisol. I'm like, oh shit, I didn't make it up. Y'all, 
the last episode of Marisol. Marisol is on Maury trying to get her 16th DNA test, my nigga. Marisol is on there for the 16th DNA test for five kids. She had five kids. She had 16 DNA tests. And any any media platform that you see or that you listen to that says anything about the Maury show, they're probably going to show like a wild collage of Maury telling motherfuckers that they not the father and them doing like they they crazy it's jig dance and you know what I'm saying the cameraman running and chasing them and I can't do that because this is just a podcast this is all saw audio it's just gonna hear Maury saying you're not the father over and over and over again you can't see the cameraman with your ears it's not gonna have the same aesthetic so I felt like for my tribute I would play y'all a small clip of Marisol's last episode in which Maury details out her experiences with the show because I feel like that is as good of any a tribute to the Maury Povich show and everything that it did for me. Marisol's been coming to the show for almost 10 years to find the father of her five children. Not, 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 are the father. Not, 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 not. After 15 DNA tests, Marisol has not given up her search, and neither has the show. Her 16th DNA test is today the day. Reggie, so today, Dave, come back. We've had a lot of unforgettable guests over the years. But this next guest is truly one of the most memorable. Her name, Marisol. Marisol, over the years, has tested 15 men in search of the fathers of her five kids. Watch this. Five beautiful children, 15 men tested. It all began with a search for her daughter Shadiman's father. Not 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 the father. Not the father. Marisol put her search on hold for Shadiman's father and turned her attention to her son, Joshua. You are... With Marisol's third child, Eliza, her search for her father would end quickly. You are the father. But for her son, Davion, the paternity test left Marisol with more painful questions than answers. Not, not, not the father. Not the father. Although Marisol gave up her search for Davion's dad a year later, Marisol came back hoping she'd have better luck finding the father of her new baby, Anthony. The mystery man who could not be here is not Marisol. Joey, you are not the father. Marisol will do anything you want. Today, Marisol is back for her 16th DNA test. Will she hear you are the father? Wow. I was going to end with that. But a few things about Marisol before we go to break. Number one, as a nigga with a name that I ain't never met nobody else with and motherfuckers white people give me this passive aggressive your name is low key ghetto all the time and I fucking hate it and I I, so I don't ever do that to anyone else Marisol's first baby's name is Diamond, so you already know that Marisol is out there 
I'm not. This is not about Shadiamond. Shadiamond. It's cool. Shadiamond didn't do it. Shadiamond didn't name herself. Marisol named Shadiamond. Secondly, imagine being a. You see, so so Marisol starts off trying to find a baby daddy for Shadiamond baby daddy, and then she just give the fuck up and start on the second baby because she like this is hard like. I'm, I done came to Moria a bunch of times. I done ran back. You know what I'm saying? And whatever. Then they talking about how like on the third baby, she hits like on the first time. Imagine being that one of Marisol's baby daddies. Like out of all the niggas she done took to Mori, like your odds are really pretty solid of Marisol taking you to Mori and you getting to do your dance. Like, that nigga was probably in taking choreography classes. He was like, I'm really trying to learn some new shit. I'm trying to get my little backflip from the spin. You know what I'm saying? I'm trying to get the the kick spin backflip. You know what I'm saying? Hip thrust, hip thrust. You know, uh, boogie on him. Whenever Maury pulls out my envelope, he's sitting there ready on the couch in the chair. You know what I'm saying? One, two, three, and uh, step, kick, flip. Thrust, thrust, you know what I'm saying? Like, in his mind, that's what he's doing. Just kind of like, working it out in his head. Maury comes up. You are the father. My nigga is dumbfounded. Mouth wide open, can't even move. Thinking about all the money and time wasted to this dance he'll never get to do. He'll never get to do the dance now. Y'all, when is he going to get to do this dance? And Marisol jumping for joy. She done jump. Them calves are strong as fuck from all them times she done ran backstage. She been this is she been training for this. She been training for this. Jumped up all in my nigga life. Yeah, nigga. Yeah, nigga. That's how that one went. Straight like that. <clears throat> and then the rest of them, you know, was just like, oh, you not, you not, you not, you are, you not, you not, you are, you are, you are, you not, yeah, whatever. So whatever. Uh, anyway, just to give y'all some closure for this final episode for Marisol's newest baby, her sixth baby, the baby, the man who she had come take the paternity test was like her nigga, like they was together. And he was basically there like, you know, I love her, but I mean, you know, Marisol Maury, you know what I'm saying? You just seen her in here with all these niggas. So I just, I felt like I got to make sure that everything is Gucci. She telling me this my little nigga, but she says that you know what I'm saying so um what ended up happening though he was the father and Marisol got to live happily ever after all right so In today's episode, I wanted to talk to y'all about something that I didn't think I would ever give a fuck about. Like, not in a, not in a talk about on a podcast kind of way. I just kind of thought it was like a dope thing that I was all for because, you know, I'm not a fucking hater. And what I'm talking about is, uh, it's a name, image, and likeness is what they call it. Basically, it's a court case that, uh, I don't even couldn't even tell you who won the motherfucker. Somebody won because it should have happened a long ass time ago. That basically said that these schools can't keep pimping these fucking high profile college uh, and uh, amateur athletes 
for all the money that they worth to come to all these places, basically using their name, their image and their likeness to make bread while they have to sit there and be broke as fuck because that's bullshit. You know, like schools can't play players. Basically, that makes sense. Right. But if especially in in a world where you have to think even right now, you all right, you listen to me right now, I make this podcast, right? If I was under the old rules, if I already had a podcast, right, and I was a high-profile college athlete, I couldn't use the fact that I was that to make money off of this. I couldn't be like, oh, come fuck with my shit. I'm such and such. They'll be like, nah, we not really... You know what I'm saying? And, and and maybe, maybe I could do that. But I definitely couldn't say I'm going to go on somebody else's podcast and they're going to pay me because I'm such and such person. Like NCAA athletes couldn't accept cash for things like that or whatever. So basically, you couldn't leverage your own talent for your own benefit yet until you were a professional. Um, well, now... Name, image, and likeness comes out. You know what I'm saying? They win this court case or whatever. And they're like, yeah, these kids can make money off who they are. That's stupid. You know what I'm saying? Like, if you if you were the most popular motherfuckers in college sports and somebody wants to give you a bag to eat a sandwich on camera, then that's, a, that's, that's for you. Go get your money, right? Well, a lot of states still don't allow high school players to get that money, which I'm still kind of like, if anybody can get a bag and you keeping them from getting the bag, you kind of a hater. That's still my official position. No matter what is stated throughout this podcast today, my official position on paying anybody to do anything that's worth money is if you trying to stop it, you a hater, period. Now, I will say this. I never thought it would get to a point where it would make me really think, but damn. What is this going to look like whenever you start to really see it go crazy? Because I didn't think anybody was going to go ham. And then I read this story. On Friday, a five-star recruit in the class of 2023. Okay, so look. Senior class of 2023. So the 2022-2023 season, they will be a senior. This season, which is the 2021-2022 season, they are a junior. So this is a junior. This is a junior we're talking about. I know y'all are like, why are you a junior in high school, not college? Okay, so let me go back to the story. On Friday, a five-star recruit in the class of 2023 signed an agreement with the school's NIL collective that could pay him more than $8 million by the end of his junior year of college. The athletic has learned he'll be paid three hundred and fifty thousand dollars almost immediately, followed by monthly payouts escalating to more than two million dollars per year once his college career, once he begins his college career. In exchange for making public appearances and taking place in social media promotions and other NIO activities on behalf of the collective or a third party. Yo, my man's is like 17 years old 
and he just got a bag dropped on him for $350,000 that he's allowed to have. That's a good caveat to make because back in the back before this, I'm not saying that they was getting paid big numbers like this, but schools been playing major, been paying major athletes to come play. That's not new, but it's been under the table and you're not supposed to have it. So you can't go crazy with it. He just got 350 K out off the top. After taxes, he's still walking away with, you know what I'm saying? 150, 170 of that easy. Probably not. He's underneath that 400, underneath that 400 margin. He's going to walk away with, anyway, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Let's just say that he gets, let's say he walks away with 200K off of that, off of that 350 that they're supposed to give him. 17 years old. You just got three, you just got 200K. And it's, it's not a one-time payment. These niggas is about to pay you $8 million over the next four years. And you 17 years old. Y'all, my nigga about to buy a dodo bird. My nigga about to be like, I'm about to buy extinct animals. What is you talking about? Bruh, listen to me. I That money gotta go to it. Bro, they can't give it to him. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I know what I said. They gotta pay it to him and maybe it gotta go to it. They cannot, bruh. You about to give this little nigga, bruh, first of all, the pressure from his family, from, oh my God, I couldn't even imagine. Y'all don't be understanding why these players be spinning out and shit like that as though it's not kind of obvious. Whenever you have all these resources all of a sudden and you come from a place where you didn't before, and I'm assuming, I'm assuming that this nigga come from a place where he don't have money because obviously, I know I said before that most football players don't because most football players don't, but most ain't all, and I didn't look into this little nigga. He might, he might come from money. That's the best case scenario. Best case scenario is this little nigga's been rich his whole life because if he just got rich, meaning his whole family just got rich, shit about to get crazy, bruh. It's just, okay, look at some of these, okay, look at look at some iconic movies in black history. Look at The Temptations, one of my favorite movies to watch. That's why I love The Temptations. The Temptations, to me, it's a movie not really about some famous musicians, but it's really just about what happens when you take five or six niggas who never had nothing, and you give them all a bunch of money. See, they all going to go in different directions, right? I want you to think about the temptations. I want you to really sit and think and realize, out of all the temptations, Otis is the only one still tempted. Otis is the only one out of five niggas who got a bag out of nowhere. Otis is the only one who survived. You got, you got, uh, uh, goddamn, why I can't think of my man, Paul, Paul, drunk, Paul didn't even used to drink, got all the money, now he a drunk, then got so drunk, he over here beating all on his wife, and then he done went and killed himself, then you get Corn. Corn. he's, you know, well-meaning dude, you know, singing his ass off, you know what I'm saying, and Corn is one of the, Corn is one of the ones who really wasn't all that fucked off, you know, he was, he had a little cocaine addiction somewhere in the middle of there, fucking with David on the low. You know what I'm saying? You know, his problem was he couldn't put them fucking cigarettes down. You know, but Corn was drinking and smoking cigarettes and doing cocaine and just living a little too hard. Corn dies. 
You know what I'm saying? David. I was I was gonna leave David Ruffin for last, but let's just be honest. David Ruffin is like what happens to most motherfuckers, it seems like. It's not really most, but David Ruffin's the most interesting story. You get a whole bunch of money and then you turn into a motherfucking crackhead. Cause that's one of the that's one of the storylines too. You're like, oh, I'ma buy up all this shit. I'ma live this big, crazy, extravagant lifestyle. And then here I am in the back of the motherfucking Bentley with Flip doing fucking coke. Now I'm freebasing, trying to sell tickets for a show that was last night and shit. Getting thrown out of my own shit. All dead and shit. David Ruffin. That's another way it could turn out. Or maybe you're like, oh, I could turn out to be blue. Blue wasn't so bad. Blue worked himself to death. And Blue's the only nigga in the band who didn't have no bitches. That deep ass voice. No kids. No wife. Where's Blue's family? Blue had some bitches on that first tour. It was some bitches kind of cuddled up with Blue. What was was Blue afraid of pussy or something like that? Why Blue didn't get no bitches? But anyway, Blue gets no bitches. Yells at doctors. Just give me the shot, doc. Another way you could turn out when you just get money out of nowhere. And then the only nigga who makes it out alive, Otis. And Otis ain't paying no attention to his motherfucking family. Lost his wife, who was a baddie. Then his son want to know why he's always on the road. And then my nigga fall off a motherfucking building working a construction job when his daddy too rich for him to supposed to be working construction. Because Otis over here trying to be a part of this band. With all these motherfucking fuck ups. And they paying all these fines and shit. Missing shows and shit. That was that was Lamont's money. Lamont wasn't supposed to be working construction. Lamont was supposed to be the foreman. You know what I'm saying? So it doesn't turn out good for anybody. And that's all I'm saying. There's a million parables. Of what happens when you give a motherfucker a lot of money. Who ain't never had no motherfucking money before. The families get to praying on them and shit like that man. We can't even know this little nigga's identity. They think they know who he is. I didn't look it up because I knew y'all motherfuckers wouldn't care. I'm like, I don't have that kind of podcast where they're like, oh, who is he? And what school does he go to? I can see where he's going to play for. Y'all don't give a fuck. This is not a a sports podcast. And I'm I'm perfectly fine with that. It's not the energy that I want here. It's not what we do. So, Um, but yeah, but that made me think of myself because, you know, I like to think about myself sometimes. You know what I'm saying? Uh, <laughs> but for real, uh, it made me think of back when I was selling drugs and I was actually, you know, successful drug dealer for a small amount of time. You know what I'm saying? I wasn't no kingpin or no shit like that. And that's kind of actually my point. You know, I would actually surmise that my most successful year selling drugs, I probably made about, I don't know, maybe... Uh, I would say on the low end, a hundred thousand, and on the high end, maybe a hundred and forty thousand dollars that year. Living in a small town, you know what I'm saying? Like that's not a lot of money for risking your freedom. It's it's niggas who make it way more than that selling drugs. I'm just saying. Uh, I like to emphasize that I was well aware of where I was in the span of drug dealings because a lot of niggas don't, and that shit is not appealing. It's not necessarily that like. You should feel all super glorified for ever having any kind of position or status within within this game of selling drugs and shit. You know what I'm saying? But like, it's nothing worse than a nigga who who is really doing something that's not necessarily the most difficult thing on the planet, and it is also like vastly overselling what they own. So it's like you know whatever. Um, 
And also, I like to clarify, I ain't sell like crack or cocaine or nothing like that. The only drugs I ever sold personally was weed, Lord Tabs, Xanax, and Molly's. I sold all of those things, not not for the entire span of time, but in enough in enough quantities where I could say that those are things that I actually sold. You know, um, and again, like it's not like oh no, like oh look at me. I also told you like about how much money I made. Like it wasn't like a ton of money. It was, but it was good money for where I was living and how. I, this is the time my rent was five hundred eighty five dollars a month where I was living. Not y'all. I don't even. I be thinking about how much money I was paying to be alive. 10 years ago versus how much it costs to be alive now. My rent was five eighty five in 2014. When I got arrested, the rent where I was living was $585. My rent is $2,000 a month now. And that's also just a brief little thing where that's, I have to take moments like that in my life to kind of be proud of myself in the sense of my life has taken such a wonky course to get where I am now that there's times when I feel like I'm behind in certain aspects. Then I have to realize that I had to, A, I had to restart because of the whole getting arrested and all that shit or whatever, which is like, whatever, it happens to you or whatever. But in the midst of all of that, and I say this to people all the time, the the one it's I guess it's a gift and a curse having a kid as young as I had a kid is you never are given the opportunity to stop when you have a kid you can't just be like oh well I got fucked off so now I don't have a place to live because if you don't have a place to live then your kid don't have a place to go and that's not an option so I always had to find a way to keep moving forward in all these different areas so even though I still didn't get even though I'm still not done with my career, the house that I live in is kind of the house that that I feel like my kid should be in at this stage of her life, because it was important for me to kind of still be able to build those structures around her. And then I'll figure out my shit in the middle of it, you know, but the big thing is to really give her the foundation and resources to be certain that, me having her so young was never an impediment to her being able to have like that launching pad to get where she wanted to go. Um, anyway, um, my whole point is just that, uh, I was making whatever money I was making during a time where it didn't cost that much for me to just live my day to day. So I had a lot of extra money off the top and the shit I was doing with the money that I had and the way I was acting with the money that I had as though it was just all the money in the world. I could never imagine us. I was 22. I was 22 before I really started making money. But like, so maybe 22, I start making enough money where it's like, I pretty much I'm working at a job, but I really don't need the money at my job anymore. I could literally pay all my bills, selling weed, and then still do some shit on the side, but just like live a regular life. But I did have a job. So I still had, and I'm from a small town. My ideas of like what doing stuff was weren't even that big because I wasn't from anywhere real big. You know what I'm saying? So I had all this money to spend still. And I'm like, okay, I'm living pretty good. This is cool. I'm probably like maybe 23. 
once I really get to a point where I have the money to just blow on shit. I'm like, oh yeah, whatever. We could just spend money on whatever. Um, this nigga is 17 years old. I just, I don't even, I could not even fathom. Y'all, I mean, I'm talking about we walk into the bar. I'm buying drinks for everybody who speak to me damn near. Going and paying all these expensive ass bar tabs at places for motherfuckers I don't even know like that. Leaving the bar to go eat. Taking everybody damn near to go eat. Fucking waking up in the morning, missing money, not even knowing what I spent the money on, having to ask homies, what did we do? I'm thinking we didn't, uh, nigga fucking, we go out one night, I'll go out to this little late night diner type shit. It's called Big Chef. It's not even open no more back in my hometown. Shout out to everybody from the L. We go to Big Chef. We like 25 deep in Big Chef. We all eating in there fucked up, you know what I'm saying, having a good time, whatever, whatever. Next day, I'm talking to the homie about it. And he's like, yeah, bro, I think we all walked out on our tabs at Big Chef. Like, I don't understand how we all walked out of there without paying like that. I'm like, bruh, that makes sense. You like, what you mean? I was like, I knew I was missing a little bit of money. I was like, I paid for all y'all's food last night. You know what I'm saying? Like, and that's the type of shit I was doing all the time. And also, y'all, people like me. It's important to add that in because I was not one of those motherfuckers who was like, oh, I'm a dude for all these people so they'll want to be around me. People wanted to be around me when I was broke as fuck. They never changed. My my monetary status has never really had an impact on whether or not people wanted to be around me. People just like me. Thank you. I'm, I'm very grateful for that because I like people too. So, um, but yeah, bro, I mean, I was like, there was points in my life where I wasn't washing my clothes. I would just buy new clothes. There was points in my life where I would spend so much money on stupid shit. Even when I would like want to go out of town, I'd be like, oh, I'm going to go to Austin. And I like pick the people who I wanted to go with me to Austin. And then I would be like, we're going to go to Austin however it has to go. So like if I had to pay for your plane ticket to get there or if I had to pay for some other shit, like I'm flying bitches out. For the homies, basically. You know what I'm saying? Like, not even just because. Like, I got that little extra bread to do it. I'm renting cars, and I got a car that'll do. I got a, a car that'll get me anywhere I want to go. And I'm renting cars, and I'm like, oh, yeah, I want the nicest rental car. Let me get the, let me get da-da-da-da-da, whatever. I still think part of the reason why I got arrested is because, like, the week before I got arrested, I had went to Austin, rented this fucking Mustang, was flying through the south side of the L in this Mustang, dropping off pounds of weed and shit like that, not being hot. You know what I'm saying? And then when you got a little bit of bread like that, it, like, puts you in this sense of nothing can impact me because fuck it, I'll get another one. And then you start living so reckless. I just... Yo, I was, I was trying to to think of just like specific times when I had just really blown massive amounts of my money at one time, and it's it's hard for me to really think of because the way I spent money, 
it never really felt like I was spending a lot of money because it wasn't wasn't huge gestures. It's just like everyday type shit. You know, like you throwing Super Bowl parties and I'm going out and buying all these ribs. I got all this barbecue for this fucking Super Bowl party and shit like that. But even that, that wasn't even that much money because I had to hook up on a barbecue. Niggas was showing love. But still, man, just all the time doing shit. Nigga, my my little sister needs some help paying for school. I'm giving her some money for school. But that's not even, that's good shit. That, that was one of the few times where I actually felt like I spent my money on something that I actually was glad I spent it on. Most of that money, most of that money got blown. Uh, and honestly, maybe the fact that I cannot think of anything really tangible that I spent the money on to tell y'all about. It's what makes it even worse. My living expenses at the time was probably like twenty five thousand dollars a year. I probably netted like another hundred and something thousand dollars that I didn't have nothing to do with. And I just spent it on stuff. On stuff. I had nice furniture. I had really nice furniture. And I had big TVs all throughout my house. And I built a recording studio on my house. I guess that's one of the things I did. I built a recording studio on my house for the homies. So the homies could rap. Uh, Fucking just dumb shit. And this little nigga's 17 years old. I'm telling y'all, he about to buy. A, he about to buy a motherfucking woolly mammoth. That nigga about to have a mastodon. In his motherfucking backyard. He about to be riding a woolly mammoth to the campus. Like Fred fucking Flintstone, bruh. This nigga about to have a diamond-plated private jet that's too heavy to fly. That they got to drive around the streets of L.A. I, I, my guy is about to really go crazy. And it just... So I just wonder, what would I do if I was in that situation? Well, so let's say that Bree is just a balling ass motherfucker and they trying to offer her millies. How do you even interfere as the parent without seeming like you just a hater? How do you be like, okay, I'm not saying I want to shit on you, but I just can't let you touch this much bread at that age. I'm going to let you hold like, you know what I'm saying? 50K, like here's 50K, hold this, do what you want to do with it, but... Just put the rest of this up right now. What you need more is. Would you be a hater for that? I would. It's so hard when you think about it. Because. As a parent. You'd be like that. Would, that's what would be best. But I can say right now. 17 year old me. If I was so excellent at something. That somebody wanted to give me $350,000 off the rip. And $8 million over four years. And my mom was trying to tell me how much of it I could have. I could be like, man, if you don't shut your broke ass. Yeah, and she would be all kinds of broke ass niggas. What is you talking about? You don't have any money. So you're going to tell me that I can't have all my money. But I bet you as soon as you need something, you're going to be asking for some of my money. But then I'm going to be old enough to make decisions about my money, though. Right. But now I'm not smart enough to make decisions about my money. I'll be going off on her and calling her all kinds of greedy. You know what I'm saying? This is what happens when you get money. This is what they're talking about. And then you know what my mama would do? She would give me my money, and then I would spend it all in two or three weeks, and then she would come at me with the SpongeBob talking about, oh, you just want to hold me down. Because, <laughs> I mean, that's, that's parenting, bruh. Genuinely not even knowing how to 
do the things that are best for your kids. And I'm not hating on little nigga, man. Respect, and I'm glad that homie got his little bag up, but I don't know. I just can't. I can't fathom within my own mind. I just can't. Um, a little side note, some other shit or whatever. I guess I could kind of talk to y'all about real quick before we get this episode over with. I know it's it's been in the news, the shit with Kentaji Brown Jackson, the new Supreme Court nominee, and you seeing all of this shit in the news with all of these fucking Republicans fucking basically berating this woman as though she's not literally the most accomplished person who will have ever been in this. Well, I don't know if it's ever, but currently if she win, I, I think that they, I'm pretty sure it's when, when she ends up getting nominated, uh, she will be the most accomplished Supreme court justice we currently have. And I've heard other people say it before, but it really just is how it is when you went. That's why I always say it's hard enough to be black. It's hard enough to be a woman to put them together. It's like, God damn. It's like, you really playing the game on, on expert. And that's, I said, I can't even remember the way I put it. And that might be one of those episodes I didn't release, but I was really saying that being a black woman is like the hardest, you know what I'm saying? And that's kind of proof to it that she's in the same confirmation practice, uh, uh, process that Kavanaugh and Amy Coney Barrett, when Amy Coney Barrett has never even tried a case on the level that you're supposed to have to, to be a Supreme court. Just, she's like not qualified for the job at all. And they just let her breeze right the fuck on through. And they are just tearing her down for nothing about nothing. Ask her all this bullshit about critical race theory and what, what are, are you a Christian? Like what, what faith do you identify with? And her record on prosecuting child pornography on some weird shit. It's just dumb. And I don't watch that shit. I don't watch that shit. I watched a few clips of it today because some of them came up on Jimmy Kimmel. And I think Jimmy Kimmel's kind of funny sometimes. And I was like, he's probably going to make me laugh about this fuck shit. So I'll, I'll fucking, I'll fucking bite. I'll, I'll bite. But I've heard it referred to as black trauma porn. I have heard it uh, recently on a podcast heard uh, referred to as disasterbation. But like to watch shit that you know is just going to trigger you in that in that way because. It is very frustrating to exist in those spaces. Like what's happening to Ketanji Brown Jackson is not like an unfamiliar experience to black Americans. We're not watching Ketanji Brown Jackson get treated more harshly in a work environment than her white counterparts thinking, oh my goodness, I'm so glad that doesn't happen to me or I can't imagine what I would do if I was in that situation. We know what we would do if we were in that situation. We all exist in that situation on a day-to-day basis. Um... It's and we get gaslit about it on a day to day basis as well. You can't we we usually are in these situations and the only people who we could talk to about it are our peers. There's never anyone who's a superior that we can talk to about it, because even if they see it, they feel like they got where they are by acting like it doesn't exist. So the farther up to the top they get, the less they want to acknowledge it. So then you just end up feeling gaslit all day long where the white people get to do shit that you could never get to do. And 
You got, I, I work, I, one of my jobs I work with, I had a dude get, not get tipped, get, basically get stiff by this table, threw a whole ass fit, slamming shit, making all this noise, hollering or whatever. My general manager is in the building while this is going on. And he's basically trying everything he can do to avoid seeing it so he can not do anything about it. I still work with the motherfucker. He ain't, he ain't get fired. He never, he, nothing happened to him. Nothing. He was allowed to clock and he sat there and stomped and threw shit and acted mad, hostile and aggressive. And I'm going to be honest with y'all. This is the crazy shit about being, and I know this is like almost a side note, but this is the crazy thing about being black. I actually was uncomfortable. Like in a like, these would be the white boys who come shoot the job up. You know what I'm saying? But if I was to have like articulated that in that moment, I actually was like fearful of my safety and my general manager was inadequate at ensuring that we all felt safe and comfortable in our workplace environment. They would have been looking at me like I was fucking crazy. Cause he didn't do it. Like he didn't say, he didn't even say anything to you, but, 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 but let that shit be the opposite way. Let somebody black be literally slamming shit and throwing shit, hollering. They would have called the police. So, yes, I'm very aware of the dynamic that existed within the Senate confirmation hearings for Kentaji Brown Jackson. And that's why I don't watch that shit. That's why the podcast is not about black people getting murdered by police anymore. Because I'm not watching that shit. I'm not interested. I already know how that works. I already knew what was going to happen. It's like watching a disaster movie, like literally the disaster movies where they're like, Oh, we're going to have The Rock just walking a dog on a sunny fucking day. And then all of a sudden we're going to have mega tornado come with earthquake tsunami all together. And he's going to jump over this big ass crevasse. And then he's going to almost fall in. But then some white lady's going to save him and they're going to get in a helicopter and then fly away. And then the whole city's going to be dead. But The Rock is not. I'm not going to watch that movie and I'm not going to watch the fucking Senate confirmation hearings of Kentaji Brown Jackson. I will wish her well from a distance and I will hope that in the future, somewhere down the line, the world is not the way it is where the reason why I don't watch something that is literally a historic moment for black people. That's the worst thing that this is literally a historic moment for black people. I should be watching this. I should have my eyes locked on the screen right now because I should be in love with what's happening for her and what that means for us as people and all this other shit. And she's not even a nigga's nigga. If you know what I mean, she all endorsed by police unions and all this other stuff or whatever. And that's not to say that she's not black. That's not what I meant. I said, she's not a nigga's nigga. You know what I meant by that? not saying she's not black she is a black woman i just said it's historic and they treating her just like a black woman because we all black but what i mean is they doing this to her and she's not even like a radical it's not like she's gonna get in there and be like bet now we gotta abolish the police that's not her vibe so anyway yeah i'm not watching it i haven't watched it and i guess i just wanted to take a short moment to tell y'all why um we're going to take one more motherfucking break. And then it's Thursday. I told y'all what it is. We coming back. You know what I'm saying? With a quick recap of my favorite motherfucking show. <laughs> Temptation. Goddamn Island. All right. 
Now, I know some of y'all not here for this. I know some of y'all like, oh, I don't want to watch Temptation Island. Why do we have to talk about Temptation Island? You whack. You whack. You need to go ahead and start watching the show. Episode 2 is already here. It's on USA. You know what I'm saying? Episode 2 is already here. It's already picking up. I told you episode 1 can be a little slow. But we're already starting to see some things. Some of my predictions are still panning out. There are a few things that I did not see coming. Um, A few things that I don't think I I really pushed. I don't... I'm not going to say I didn't see him coming. Okay. I wasn't thinking shit about that bitch Ash at all. Honestly. Hanya's girl. She was just like boring to me. And I was just like, I just feel like I'm not going to like her. That's really all the only vibes I got off of her. Because there's always a girl on the show that I don't like at all. And I thought it was going to be her. But anyway. Um, as, far, so as far as my predictions so far. Well, for first, no. First, we'll, we'll talk about the episode. And then I'll do how my predictions are holding up at the end. Um, so the episode basically starts off where they have like the little first night party where like the singles and the, and the couples, like, uh, the singles and the, I don't know what you want to call them, the men and the women, um, they have their little party at the house or whatever. And it's not like they organize party. It's just like, they're going to be together for that night. They can all kick it. Um, and all they're really doing is drinking and talking both houses. I want y'all to take and really think how fucking drunk they were. Everybody in that bitch is slurring. Niggas is in that bitch damn near stumbling. Motherfuckers was sloppy drunk in them houses. I just feel like that's important to note because my nigga, they, uh, they really, um, (laughs) They really gonna be here for thirty days with these people this drunk. It's just like, do you know alcohol make you a little looser? And I'm telling you that that is how they set these people up on this show because this show really is a setup. Um, and over the first night, like a few little things happen, but it's not like nothing huge or whatever. Um, during the date selection, uh, <laughs> it's funny because Luke is uh. Like, I feel like during date selection, you got to really be paying attention because date selection, the first date selection where they select the dates in front of each other is always kind of where like the little tension gets started. It's where the vibe changes between the couples because they're watching this. And a lot of times it starts a little bit of the drama. And it's like it starts off like, you know, uh, uh, fucking Jillian picks Tommy and motherfuckers like he he just looks kind of stupid to me to be honest like edgar says he looks stupid. and i'm gonna be real with y'all the funniest thing about that is that nigga tommy does look stupid bro that motherfucker with them big ass front teeth he just looks stupid as hell um but anyway one of the things that i have said is that i feel like luke gives big douchebag vibes like i think luke is gonna be the, the nigga who the girls in the house end up not fucking with and i still think that's what's gonna end up happening because he just does such douchey shit all the time so like during date selection, he comes down and he's like, oh, so many girls to choose from. Like on oh, some weird shit, like oh, just shut the fuck up. Then he picks one and then looks at his girl and he's like, yeah, but I, I still love you too. Bro, like you making it, you just, it's just douchey. Like that's all. Then LaCellis picks Trace and fucking <laughs> Ashley talking about my twin with the weave. Yeah, I'm cool with that. 
But then she picks, uh, what the fuck is that? Goof, uh, Matt or some shit like that. I don't know what that motherfucker's name is. Uh, goddamn. Hold on, hold on. Let me check my, let me check my palm pilot. Uh, Mike. Yeah, she chose Mike because they had the little, the little connection or whatever. Um, but then, um, you know, fucking, then Hanya goes up there and he's like, you know, he's, you know, I feel like the lucky one when he picks his girl, it's whatever. Like they selection is like, whatever, you know, it wasn't too crazy this time, but you did get to see a little bit of, a little bit of whatever. Um, where does shit really get fucked up? Now here's the thing, right? The producers be setting this shit up to be the way it be. And it's something else I peep to. The women really control both houses. The in the one where the women are the singles and the one where the men are the singles. The women actually control both houses. Because in truth, the women are really the ones who set the boundaries. When you think about the world, like women set the boundaries, and particularly when you're talking about like a romantic and sexual energy, like women set the boundaries of consent for the most part. So how crazy it gets to depend on the girls. So zoom into the men's party. The men's party, whipped cream, chocolate, they blindfolding these niggas, licking the sauce all off them and shit like that or whatever. Then they like, oh, you do us or whatever. Um, And we haven't got to see what the girls are going to see in a bonfire yet. But I almost guarantee you LaCellis is about to get stalled out by his bonfire. And that's how they do it. They, Because now the men got all of these little small things that they ain't been a part of. Because now the whole party was ratchet. And men are not going to say no. So peep that all the men do everything that the girls want them to do. But they all do it to a different level. Like some of the niggas be, you know, they they licking from, from the rooter to the tooter. You know what I'm saying? They whipped cream from the coochie all the way up to the neck. Just, ah, get it in. You know what I'm saying? Hanya. Loop. You know what I'm saying? It's other niggas. You know what I'm saying? LaCellis. Who just kind of like, you know, he licked some of the chocolate off the girl. But he was like, even when he was licking the chocolate off, you could tell he was just like a little bit like he just licked it off a little bit. And then he did like a quick little dance on the girl. But she blindfolded and then he was done with that. You know what I'm saying? But then they all go to the shower and shower together. I bet you when they show them girls that shit in the bonfire, they're going to start with them all already in the shower where you can only see them head up. So you don't realize that all of the niggas still have on their bikinis or their bottoms or whatever. And then there's still like more party afterwards where they basically just drunk and talking or whatever. They're going to stall them out where it's going to make it look like all them niggas was busting it wide open. When in truth, even Hanya, who I still think has the most hope potential. I still think Hanya has the most hope potential. I actually think Hanya has more hope potential now after seeing Ash. But whatever. Um that, anyway, this gonna make them look real fucked up, even though nobody really did shit that night. Um The women's party. This is what I mean by that, too, because the women's party, the women's basically just like they dress kind of slutty or whatever. Like, oh, we're going to dress somewhat slutty, but it's a pool. Like they still have on like bikini bottoms underneath like their quote unquote slutty outfits. They're just costumes, really. You know what I'm saying? Like they're not any more naked than they would be in a bikini. 
So it's not even really nothing. And it's basically just a pool party. This is a pool party where everybody gets drunk. There's no like crazy games where they doing all this extra shit or whatever because the the women's house might have one party like that. Maybe. Maybe. But they usually just don't. It don't be like that. And when it's it's just a different vibe. But during the pool party on the women's side, you see Ash get real comfortable with uh with old boy. I can't even think of my nigga name right now. Um Tony, I think. Long hair, motherfucker. Uh and while Hanya over in the other house, like, yeah, I think our rules are just kissing, but we'll see whatever. First night, she got that nigga in her bed. She like, oh, we're going to have to put up a pillow wall. But, you know, whatever. Nigga, tonguing that nigga down. And then she talking about, yeah, I mean, I just know how I am, blah, 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 blah. And then that just led me to realize, oh, Hanya and Ash been saying, Oh, you know, we're both just really physical in relationships and da 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 And he's like, Kanye has said something about like, oh, you know, are, are we are, we are so physical in our relationship and the sex is so amazing, blah, 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 blah. Kanye got even one of those. Y'all, it ain't a lot of those out there. You know what I'm saying? Great white buffalo. Every once in a while, you meet one of them women who got like it's like it's some women who low-key need sex like food you understand what I'm saying like it's way different it's so few of them out there that it is I mean, I don't, I'm, I'm just probably people as a whole. I just don't, I don't have sex with men. I don't know if y'all didn't know that or not, but I don't have sex with men. So I don't know what men are like sexually to know on a, on an intimate basis, how men are when it comes to sex. So that's all that, but I do know because I do have sex with women that there are every once in a while. I mean, and it's, it's just different. It's just different. And if you find one, and you live like that too in any way or you even respect somebody who's like that where you like oh this shit is different you be like oh I ain't trying to go and that's how Hanya talk about that thing Hanya talk like if Ash is yours oh she she like that but Ash seemed like the type where it's like yeah I'm like that and I need somebody to be like that with all the time so I know that my early vote for household was Jillian. But I'm actually beginning to think that I may have been completely incorrect and that that real household is going to be Ash. I think Ash is going to be the one to bust it open first. I think it's actually kind of obvious that Ash is going to be the one to bust it wide open first. Um, And maybe my thing about Jillian might hold to be true about Ash. Ash might end up knocking down more than one nigga because it's way too early for that to be the only nigga she fucks with on the island the whole time. I just, I just don't see it. Temptation Island is too messy a show for that, y'all. Not going to lie. Because one thing I think y'all don't be realizing if you're just now watching this, because even sometimes I don't realize when I watch Temptation Island. It's been like two days. 
And these motherfuckers is already talking about, oh, I feel this strong connection, blah, blah, blah. It's been two motherfucking days. So that was basically my whole. That's everything I pretty much have for Hanya and Ash anyway, is that I think Ash is going to. And I told I said Hanya was going to be the, the household on the male side. I still think that's going to end up being true because he's going to get that clip. The uh, uh, the the pillow wall is still plenty of clip there for the producers to to cut and make it look real nice uh, for my nigga Hanya to be like, oh yeah, she about to get him draws up. I already know how she is, and he about to be like, I. What we might end up seeing is that after Hanya sees the bonfire, he might really go live because he might be on some. I'm not gonna be the. I, I'm if it's gonna be one of us, I'm gonna be first. I'm not about to be out here looking like boo boo the fool if you just out here fucking off. But we'll see. Um, my the black couple, Lacellus and Ashley. Now I had thought, due to some manipulations of the film, after the first episode, that maybe I was wrong. But I'm back to my original prediction that Lacellus and Ashley are gonna be the couple to leave the island together. They gonna get, they shit gonna get stronger, and they gonna leave together. And I was a little unsure again after that first that first pool party at the girl's house because Ashley was all talking to Mike and he's like, oh, the questions he's asking me, I've just never felt seen like this and we just have such a connection and blah, 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 blah. But like I told y'all, that's because Mike be on that like wavelength like, oh, yeah, it's just like the universe and I feel like we've already met and da, 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 da. Like, and she and Lacellus is just super not like that. So it was just so different at first that I feel like it just kind of caught her eye. Even when she picked him during the dates, Lacellus was like, the fuck? Like, okay. Like, I'm not really worried about that. Um, uh, Ashley and Mike go on that very first date. And she's like, uh, yeah, I'm good on this nigga. He is not at all who I thought he was. He's blah, 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 blah. Because like now she actually taking some time to sit and be with the nigga. He's weird as fuck. Um, Lacellus is fucking with that girl Trace. Trace is kind of fine. Not gonna lie. But I feel like Trace might end up uh, playing herself into a corner and being annoying because I'm not gonna lie. Again, like I said, it's two days into the motherfucking show. Two, three days into the show. And you talking about I just don't want to feel like you're telling me I'm special, but you're just saying this to all the girls. And are you just really here for blah, 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 blah. Like this nigga is not supposed to be here to find him. Like technically he's not, it's not like a dating show in the con, in the uh, conventional way that dating shows work where he's literally here to find a wife. Like that's not really what's going on here. He's here to decide what he wants to do about the relationship that he's in. Not just meet you and then wife you up. Like the fuck? And then Lacellus is like, oh, I'm sorry, I'll do better, blah, blah, blah. I really like you. I really feel like I'm having a connection with you. Bullshit. Bullshit. You ain't even got to know her yet. I feel like Trace is going to fuck that up. I feel like he's going to be on some dry, just trying to like literally have a conversation with other people. And she's going to be on some, if you're not talking to me, then you damn near cheating on me. And he's going to be like, uh-uh. But we're going to see how that plays out. They had a little date. It was mid. Y'all hear me turning my notes because I took notes. Okay, Edgar and Jillian. First of all, I don't know if she's fake crying or not, but her cry seems fake, and I'm so fucking tired of seeing Jillian cry. Like, God damn, stop. Just, just fucking stop. 
just stop. Like, is she just does she just want attention or is she actually sad? Even when she's like talking to one of the dudes in the house and he like asked about Edgar a little bit and she like pulls Iris to the side. And she's like, I just this baby. And she's like, shut up, shut up, shut up. I hate listening to her cry, but I don't know. I know I said I know I said that I think Ash is going to take Jillian's crown for household, but that doesn't mean I don't think Jillian is going to do no hoeing because I had to pause the episode to see. It was, in, and this is including the introduction, the theme song, and everything. It was two minutes and 32 seconds into the episode before this bitch talking about, I need to be hugged and cuddled. Okay. Okay. I see what you want. I see what you want. Um, I do think that I might be right about my assumption that Edgar was going to be the one to leave heartbroken, though. Because Edgar been crying the whole time. Edgar didn't cry. Edgar cried when he was talking to Trace. Edgar damn near cried when he was talking to, uh, I don't know what her name is. She real thick though. She thick and she kind of fine. And he kind of fucking with her a little bit. He said he was feeling a connection with her two, three days in. That'd be the thing that killed me with these motherfuckers. Y'all temptation Island is 30 days. So as y'all are watching this with your boy, just keep in mind, everything that occurred, occurred within 30 days. These motherfuckers, whoever ends up in love, and they're like, oh, we're going to spend our lives together? 30 days. They've only known each other a month. On a paradise island. Like, they don't even like each other. It never... Anyway. um, Yeah. But this nigga Edgar crying. A lot. Like, so I think that he's going to still be the one heartbroken. Even at the bonfire. um, You know, because they only show a few people's, you know, little shits at the bonfire. Even at Edgar's bonfire. He starts crying because she's asking about the promise ring. But y'all kind of see how the producers jug some shit. Even in that. Because in that bonfire. um, She's like. Talking about the promise ring. Like should I wear it or should I not or whatever. whatever. But if y'all remember in the clip. The, at the end of the clip. She's like. But I'm going to keep it on unless he like. Sleeps with somebody else or gives me a reason to take it off or something like that. Like she continues with that and it doesn't just end with whatever. Now, granted, do I think that she was drunk and trying to let that white boy who she was sitting across from know like that she was contemplating how serious she was taking the commitment that she had with her boyfriend? Yes, that is why I think she was saying that. However, at the end of it, she does still say, I'm going to keep the motherfucker on. And the producers cut that bitch off and don't give Edgar that. Now this nigga sobbing, crying at the fucking bonfire. Feeling like he got a connection with another girl. And he been crying for the first two, three days. So he over here like, I'm in my feelings. And she over here having fun. So you, I'm just saying, I'm just setting the stage for how Temptation Island be playing people into a corner and doing different shit and feeling different ways or whatever. So the last couple is... Uh, Luke and Iris. I said that Iris was going to be the one to get played on the island. I don't. I, I'm I'm going to reserve how I feel about that because she. I, I thought that I'm not going to lie because in the first episode, the nigga who she was topping the conversation with was like one of those. Oh, I'll treat you so much better ass niggas. But now the nigga who she fucking with is really not the type of nigga. It don't seem like he seemed like the type of I'm going to do my own thing. One thing that she said about homie that made me be like, ooh, my nigga Luke might really be in trouble. And she was like, he's the kind of guy who everybody likes. It's like that dude came into the house 
And he was like, I'm not going to try and impress the bitches. I'm going to just be a good ass nigga and everybody's going to fuck with me. And maybe I'm just rooting for that nigga because if I was going to be a single on Temptation Island, that's how I would play it. I wouldn't be trying to, it's 15 niggas in here all trying to jump on top of these girls. Like, I'm not about to do that. I'm about to find, I'm about to, oh, and homie was cooking and shit. He won big points with Shardy when she's like, oh, how do you eat your steak? He's like, I'm a vegan. I don't eat steak. Like, but I'll cook all this meat up for y'all because I just like to show love. He got big points off that, off a nigga who show love to people. Other people do like the fact that you show, it, it happens. It's a thing. So... I'm reserving judgment for like whether or not she's going to get played or whether or not she's just going to leave the island with somebody else. But I do not think she leaves the island with Luke because Luke is a douchebag to me. I still think Luke is a douchebag. Everything he does is douchey to me and I just don't like it. Even at the bonfire, Iris is talking about like how he be texting other girls and then blah, 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 blah. blah. And then he start texting them again and he stopped and then he start and he's like basically like, yeah, you know, I guess I'm like that because, you know, I just... Like, because no one no one tells me I'm doing a good job, basically. Like, he just makes it all about him. And Mark kind of, like, sides. Now, I won't say he sides with him. But he's like, you know, you know, maybe that's why you do that. Because you're just looking for somebody to, like, you know, see some good in you or say something good for you. And Mark is actually a good host. I'm not going to lie. Like, even when Edgar was snobbing and crying like a bitch. And he was like, I feel like she's saying she doesn't care about the ring. Or... Uh, Mark is like I feel uh, Mark Mark says he's like so you feel like she doesn't care about that ring and he's like yeah, he's like but by the way that's not what she said basically like even though he's not gonna like be like yeah but there's more to the clip Mark does kind of try and have they back a little bit y'all watch the host Mark is be really having a back but anyway he was kind of coddling Luke a little bit to me because I just feel like as the show progresses I feel like what we're gonna see is that Luke is a baby bitch boy he's a bitch boy but we'll see. Maybe I'm wrong about bitch ass Luke. I don't think so though. I don't motherfucking think so. Um, that's all I got. I think make sure that we go through all of the eggers, the heartbroken. Uh, 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 yeah, I said Jillian was gonna be the first to smash. That's looking tough. Ash looks like she might be in the running. I'm not so far. My predictions are holding up decent. I think the black couple is going to make it some more shit. Um, hopefully, man, I hope a couple of y'all are watching this shit with me because I love this motherfucking show. I'm not going to lie. Um, anyway, I'm sure it's going to get way more messy and shit like that or whatever. I'll talk about it some more next week on Thursday. You know, uh, I think I lied to y'all and told y'all the show's only 30 minutes. That motherfucker's a smooth ass hour, but it go by fast. I swear y'all should catch up and fuck with it. If not, don't worry about it. You know, it's tons of fucking content that's not temptation island shit so if you don't care about this you don't got to uh i will see y'all on the next episode this is really all i have for you if you're not subscribed on the social media subscribe to social media i mean follow whatever my birthday is on sunday y'all if you still listen to the end of this and you not subscribe for the 4.99 my birthday is on sunday subscribe for the 4.99 for a nigga birthday you know what i'm saying even if you don't i still love you it ain't nothing leave a comment drop a review if you leave a five-star review on itunes or on motherfucking uh, Apple Podcasts. You leave a five-star review. Anything you write on there, I'll read that bitch out for everybody. If you subscribe and you shoot me your name on a DM, tell me you want me to shout you out. I'll shout your ass out for the subscription. I appreciate y'all. Until next time, I will see y'all later. Peace.
double up the respect. Came through the wire, fresh out the fire, my mic check. Leaning and rocking, feel it yourself, it's high tech. Moving pieces all on the board, my nigga trying to see. Billion. Mm. My gift to gab on it. Escape trials and tribulations, fighting your honor. Shark in the water, grabbing for paper like I'm Nirvana. Code of honor that I follow, my nigga, is worth billion. Huh. Homie, fuck your greasy granny them. He been slapping shit so long, they gotta come and Grammy him. He so fly, he walk on stars, solar systems carry him. Bank account status when they bury him. Billion. Uh, make sure you say it two times. Dre, Dre, nigga. Make sure you say it two times. <laughs> Trying to see the salad with the croutons. Laying the foes down like futons for the billion. Yeah, man, you not tuning in there. Fuck this shit podcast. And billions 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 and bill